Welcome to the Thrive Church Podcast. Listen anytime you miss a service or want to hear a message again from our Sunday worship services and select special services. Lead Pastor Brian Bauer, as well as guest speakers, will bring messages that will help you encounter God, love people. Join us for virtual service on Facebook Live at Encounter Thrive. Or for those comfortable, we'd love to have you for our in-person services Sundays at 10. To learn about us, what we believe, how to connect, how to give, or how to find us, visit the all-new EncounterThrive.com. And now, here is our message. Good morning, Thrive! We are back. The Bowers are back. Yeah. It's good to be back. We went on vacation to Branson, um, Sin Less City. Um, (laughs) That's a Vegas joke. Anyway, what is Branson like? Um, So if Wisconsin Dells and Vegas had a baby and it became a Christian, that's Branson. (laughs) And, uh, and it's awesome. It's a blast. We really had a phenomenal time. We went a couple years ago, and we went again this time, and, and there's just a lot to do, and, uh, and it's beautiful. It's in the Ozarks. We had an amazing time. And, but on our way down, I don't know if they're watching this morning. Uh, I think the Bucks stream us pretty often. I don't know if they are right now. Uh, I'll probably get a text if they are. But... Um, but uh, we stopped. They, they moved to uh, outside of Branson a, a little ways away, and they bought some land. And, and we, uh, we stopped at their property for, for a couple days or a day and a half or so. And, and uh, the girls went out somewhere, and we, the guys stayed on the property. And I said, hey, you, you have some guns, right? <laughs> and, uh, and he said, yeah, yeah. I said, let's, let's, uh, let's fire some guns on your property. So... So we did. So, so this is just one video. This is Nathan. Just a few seconds. Um, yeah, this is uh, Phil's handgun. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the guy got away, though. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We didn't shoot at anything. We didn't, uh, we didn't shoot at anything. We, just, just, we weren't hunting anything. We were just, just enjoying firing weapons. And and so, so we shot his handgun, and then he also has a shotgun. And uh, if you're like, I don't like guns, that's okay. We're not going to do any here today. And so um, uh, we're not going to fire any here. We're not endorsing or saying you should buy one. Um, we don't have any on the Thrive page where you can buy Thrive guns or anything. So, um, so but, uh, but he, he has a shotgun. Now, I've never shot a shotgun. Uh, in my time. So, so we get out there, and I, I believe it was a 12-gauge, and, and uh, I was going to be the first, like, so if somebody's going to die, let it be me, um, and, and, uh, and then I'll let my kids give it a shot, pun intended. And so I get out there, and, I understand, and he's like, it has kickback. You want to make sure you do this, and, and, and make sure it's not up by your face, because it'll hit you in the face. And I go to take the shot, and bam, I hit it, and it was sitting just right, like, man, I, I was feeling that for like an hour, just the power behind that gun. I was like, man. And he's like, yeah, this is the safest. I'm like, I don't, I don't think you're right. Because <laughs> that didn't feel, this felt a lot safer than this. And, and there's reasons, right? You know, but, and there's something about like unexpected power behind that thing that I just didn't see, right? It, it, there, and what's interesting is the Bible talks about in the New Testament church, in Acts 2, the, when it says, like, the power of God came down on them, that word power 
it's, it's where we get our word dynamite from. It's the word dunamis. Now, they didn't obviously have dynamite in Bible times, but that same type of word you know, that would be in a firearm that's in a piece of dynamite, that explosive power that just moves on a situation is beyond our control. That, that's the type of power we have when the Holy Spirit is on our lives. Explosive power. Power that, like, changes things. Right? That's what we're supposed to have as believers. And so we're starting a new series today called God of this City. And, and I don't mean just for Lockport, but Chicagoland. That God is still God. He is still in control. But more than that, we are living in times and a day and a season. I, I don't know about you, I am at the place where I, I'm, I'm a little bit done with trying to constantly reason and intellectual assent. I need to see God's power on display. Because if God isn't moving, what are we doing? We're now living in a time like if God moves, you're like, man, I want in on that. But, but the, we're living in the days not just of COVID and, or 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 or. or, or Proud Boys or Antifa, we're also living in the days of deconstruction. Where, and it's not just of Christianity. They're not just deconstructing Christianity. Everything's getting deconstructed. You ever had that conversation on Facebook? The what aboutism? Well, what about this? And what about that? And you're like, just what about stop talking? <laughs> you know, it just gets really frustrating, doesn't it? Anybody here seen the what aboutism? That's deconstruction. It's basically saying, I don't want to listen to anything I don't want to listen to. I want to remove, right, how many things have been removed. Like, that's, I, I don't, I, that's, that's, you have different facts, right? Where'd you get your facts from? Well, I don't trust that source, therefore, it's not a fact. And it's like, no, no, no but it is. It is a fact. No, it isn't, because I listen to news from over here. What? <laughs> like, at some point, 2 plus 2 is, you know, I think George Orwell's book, 1984, there's a, it's somewhere in the book, there's an interrogation scene to basically get somebody to admit 2 plus 2 could be 5. Am I right? I have not read that book. I will readily admit it. It's in the book, though, right? Okay. So 2 plus 2, just not saying it is, but that it could be. That's what deconstruction is. It's taking what's true and saying, maybe it isn't. Let's question everything. And questioning things to a point is good, but only for the sake of growth. Only for the sake of, only for the sake of moving forward. But now we're living in the time where it's, it's almost like, we're, like we're, we're, we're rats in a bucket and everybody just keeps pulling each other back down to not get out, to not understand what's true. Right? Does, are we living in a time that agrees there's no objective truth? But here's the thing. So is it, is it valuable and good to be able to um, explain your faith in an apologetic sense, to unpack it and reason it? It is. But how many know we are now living in a day where reasoning your faith often doesn't find you anywhere anymore? And why is that? Because of deconstruction. But the power of God on display, in, before somebody's life and eyes, how can you argue with that? 
For example, the Bible says in Revelation, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, our story, the power of God working in our lives. And is that salvation? Yes, but it's more than that. It's where we see God moving and working in our lives. And here's, anybody can say, well, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe the Bible. I don't believe this. I don't believe, I don't believe in the church. I don't believe in, you know, et cetera, like fill in the blank. I don't believe in this. But who's going to tell you your story's not true? A changed life, a healed, a healed, uh, a healed body, a, a, a renewed mind. You can say, I don't agree with you, but like, I'm the evidence. It happened. God is moving. You can't argue with that power of God in somebody's life. So some people, and the weird ones are the ones who believe in miracles and not Jesus. Those are like, man, I don't know what to do with you. But, but. But that's what Pentecost was. That's what happened in Acts 2. The power of God came on the church, right? They're in the upper room. They're waiting, and, and, and the power of God comes down on these men and women, about 120 people or so, um, maybe it, it, waiting on God. And what happened was Jesus rose from the dead, and then he was in and out of being with us for 40 days, Revealing himself to people, showing, hey, I'm alive, I'm here, I'm resurrected, the grave couldn't hold me, death is defeated, and now I'm commissioning you as a church. And he's with us 40 days, and then he says, now go pray and wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. And for the next 10 days, that's what they did. Right? Am I right? My number's right? Okay. Correct me? Bible college students? Okay, great. All right, so... And then on that 10th day is now 50 days after Passover. Jesus was the Passover lamb from the Old Testament. He fulfills, he's the once and final sacrifice. We no longer have to sacrifice animals every year to atone for sin because Jesus becomes the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world. Right? I read that in a book somewhere. And so then then 50 days later is the Feast of Weeks. Okay, and that is an early celebration, an early summer that would celebrate the early harvest of wheat. And that's when, or Pentecost, meaning 50 days. Penta means five, right? Okay, so Pentecost, 50 days, five zero, after Jesus, after the lamb was sacrificed, the Feast of Weeks begins. Pentecost, the celebration of harvest, the Holy Spirit comes down in power on the day of Pentecost, and then there is a harvest of souls. God knows what he's doing. (laughs) And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that same power is for us today. That same testimony is supposed to be ours. So let's read about that in Acts chapter 2, starting at verse 1. And we're going to do a few sections of Acts chapter 2 today. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Just side note, I want to pause on that verse to keep that verse in mind as I'm saying this. There is another round of COVID COVID here, and it's Delta. And if you're sick, stay home. End of conversation. Don't come here if you're sick. 
It's not because we're fearful. It's because we're wise. We're not the church that's going to tell you how to take care of yourself because I'm not a doctor. And if I was your doctor, you might not make it. (laughs) Okay? I signed up to follow Jesus with my whole life. And somebody else signed up to follow Jesus through medicine. And so that's their department. You, you work that out with the Holy Spirit. Okay? But if you're sick, stay home. But beyond that, believers gather. Don't be the believer that says, I won't gather until. Not a health, also not healthy. Okay? The believers met. Believers gather. That is part of what the New Testament church does. That's a precedent that was set from day one of the church. We don't abandon it, even in tough days. I ask you to be wise. I ask you to work it out with the Holy Spirit. If you're 85 and you have three different comorbidities, you may need to stream for a season. And if you do, tell us, and we're going to minister to you as much as we can from where you're at. And if you're like, I need to stream for a season, tell us. Great. We love you. We understand. And we'll walk with you from there. And you tell us what we can do for you. But everybody else, follow Jesus and keep the gathering. Don't forsake it. So believers meet in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. So, just so you know, we are are a church that believes in being spirit-led and spirit-filled. If you're a believer who has come to Christ, does this Holy Spirit dwell within you? Yes, but Holy Spirit baptism is a separate encounter. Okay, what does that mean? Does that mean I have to speak in tongues? Well, yeah, but also it means way more than that. It's not just maybe talking weird. It's an empowerment for ministry on your life, for God to move. It's something on you in your life for ministry That when you go to move for God, he does what only God could do that you could never do. It's not about being weird. I like what Robert Morris says. If you got weird when you got the Holy Spirit, you were weird before. It's not the whole, don't blame the Holy Spirit. Okay? But this is a moment we are meant to be what the scripture tells us. Because this is not a for then, that moment. If you are what we would call a cessationist, well, that was in the Bible, but once the Bible ended, that, and it's like, well, Bible ended from where? From which council? From which interpretation? From which church? Cessationism doesn't work. Now, I don't care which way you spin it. I love you. I'm for you. You're wrong. <laughs> Holy Spirit. And not only that, I'm not a big fan Does anybody really want to be on the side of telling God what he can't do? I mean, don't get me wrong. God can't lie. True, 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 true. God can't go against his nature. But do we really want to be the people who are like, you know, God doesn't move like that. Man, I would not want to be in the room with him if you're saying that. (laughs) You know, that'd be like my kids in front of me saying, you know, dad won't buy us lunch. And now they're going to try that to see if I will, right? 
I'm not. But, <laughs> um, but, but that's what we do. We are meant to be a powerful church. A pow- on the screen, there we go. A powerful church. A power-filled church. We are meant to be this. This was meant since day one. We have become an intellectual ascent, reasoning, relevant, make everybody comfortable, feel good, and adjust only what you want to, church. And I don't mean thrive, I mean the church in general. And shockingly, it's not working. (laughs) Right? We are meant to be where God is on display. Not Pastor Brian, not the worship team. God moves. His tangible presence is here and real. How many of you, I'm just asking for a show of hands, you do not, don't, don't worry, nobody's going to think you're weird if you don't raise your hand. How many of you have been at Thrive, wherever we've been, and you've been like, I have sensed God's presence. He was tangibly here. I felt something I don't, I don't feel on my own. That, it's not the AC's too high. That's the Holy Spirit. Okay? It's not what you ate last night. It's the Holy Spirit. If you vomit and have a fever, that's not the Holy Spirit, okay? That's, that's what God does. He is meant, we are meant to be a power-filled church. It is available to you. That's why our tagline, when we decided, like, there's a lot of early decisions. What type of church are we going to be? What culture are we going to be? And I was in churches, not, not my last church, but churches before that, that became more and more and more about being intellectual and relevant, but not necessarily effective and power-filled. We moved away from the Holy Spirit. We didn't like altar calls. People don't like altar calls. They're uncomfortable, so, that, so they don't come to Jesus. And like, well, first, a lot of things is just how you say it, right? If I stand up here and give you a word like this, you know, I don't want to listen to me either. <laughs> That's weird. Stop it. You don't, nobody talks like that. You're not a jewel like, where are the green beans? Stop. Stop. No, you don't talk. Nobody talks like that. So stop. Again, that's being weird. But, but when God lays something on our heart and moving in our midst and leaning into it and say, you know what? No, I'm not going to leave the Holy Spirit because some people did some things with the Holy Spirit I don't agree with. That's like saying I'm going to leave your husband because, you know, his friend is weird. What? That doesn't make sense. Ditch the friend. Our tagline, we decided early on, wasn't a lot of churches say love God, love people. Have you ever seen that? You've seen that in a lot of churches' signs? And and there's nothing wrong with that. But we said something else. We said encounter God, love people. Because if you encounter him, you're going to love him. But I don't want you to just have some kind of phileo, feeling love for God. I want us to encounter him. We're not seekers of experience. Some people, they, uh, for those of us especially who were raised in the things of the Spirit or raised in strict Baptist, you're told, run from those weird Holy Spirit people. Right? Because they shake and they do things and, and, and things glitter and, and it's weird. If you see a flag, run. 
That's an inside Pentecostal joke, right? If you see this, run, like, get out, get out, get out. Here's what I would say. Again, why are you leaving the power of God because somebody along the way you didn't like? That's insanity. Really, you are leaving Jesus because you didn't like one of his followers. Where would we be if the disciples said, well, look what happened to Judas. I'm out, Jesus. No, that's not what happened. Let Judas go. Follow Jesus. Stay with him. Follow the Holy Spirit. We want, are we experienced seekers? No. There's a difference. We didn't say experience God. We said encounter him. I like how one of my old youth pastors used to say, here's the difference. An experience is a bus drives by, stops, and you touch the side of the bus. That's an experience. You know what a bus feels like and what it looks like. An encounter is when the bus hits you. (laughs) You will not be the same. (laughs) Right? And you didn't go seeking the bus. The bus found you. (laughs) That's what we want here. God hit us. Change us transform us, move upon us, and I'm available. I want to stand in the middle of the highway of God and hit me. Have your way. And if that means today I'm weeping, then so be it. And if that means today I leave in joy and encouragement, then so be it. And if that means I'm praying for healing or provision, then so be it. But whatever it is, I want you. I want to see the power of God in our midst. And we have run so far from that because we've been so afraid of it. Because it's not cool, or it's not as attractive, or it doesn't draw as many people. And that I call bogus, that's a lie. When God is actually moving, people come by the droves. I won't buy into a church that moves itself along. I don't want to be that church. I don't want, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm just not that sexy. <laughs> I'm not that good of a speaker. I'm definitely not that good looking. You know, we don't have cool enough lights or budgets or anything to be that church. And if you need that church for where you're at in your faith, we love you. We'll bless you on your way out. We get it. But we want to be a church where we're not on display. God is. And that, that doesn't look just like really long altar calls and tongues. No, it looks like way more than that. It looks like when somebody needs it, a car, somebody else in their church says, I got it. Out of the explosive, dunamis power of generosity working in their hearts. It's all of that. Francis Chan a few years ago put together a video about what it's like when the church actually finds and discovers the power of God instead of doing it on their own. And it's really good. You probably, many of you probably have already seen it. It's just a few minutes, but it's really good. I want you to take a look at it. The Big Red Tractor and the Little Village. Once upon a time in a little field, in a happy little village, lived a big red tractor. Every morning during plowing season, the village people, no, not those village people, would come out and start the red tractor. Everyone loved the tractor and the powerful noises it would make. They would cheer for the big red tractor because he would help them through plowing season. 
The people worked together to move the tractor. Half of the villagers would push from behind, while the other half would pull. They had been doing it this way for many generations. Some days they moved the tractor ten feet. Some days they moved it twenty. They did this for three whole months every year. Because of their hard work, the villagers always managed to plow the field, just in time to plant, and just before the rainy season. The rains would come to water the field. Then the sun would come out to make the crops grow, and then the people would come out and harvest all the new crops. It was just enough food to feed the entire village. One day, Farmer Dave was cleaning out his attic. To his surprise, he found an old book tucked beneath his great-grandpa's belongings. It was the owner's manual to the big red tractor. This book told about how the tractor was made and all of the great things it could do. Farmer Dave studied the book all night. He was shocked by what he was reading. According to the book, if the big red tractor was running properly, it could plow the whole field in just one day. Early the next morning, Farmer Dave gathered the villagers to tell them the good news, but nobody believed him. There's no way that tractor can move on its own. Some said. One lady said, "It sounds like you're reading a fairy tale." The people laughed at him. This made Farmer Dave very sad. This didn't stop Farmer Dave from believing what he read. Every night, while the other villagers were asleep, Farmer Dave spent time repairing the big red tractor. One night, Farmer Dave fixed the tractor completely. He jumped on the tractor and had so much fun driving it. He ended up plowing the whole field in one night. The next morning, the villagers woke up and were in shock. The whole field had been plowed. It's a miracle, one man said. Maybe aliens came down, said an old woman. No, look over there, a little boy shouted. It was Farmer Dave sleeping on the tractor. It was then that people shouted. He was right. The tractor book is true. The villagers ended up plowing many fields that year, and harvesting way more food than they could ever eat. They had so many leftover boxes of food that they began taking the boxes to other villages where food was scarce. The big red tractor and his little village soon became famous throughout the land. They became known as the most generous and life-giving people in the whole wide world. God moving in our midst—it is unstoppable. It's amazing. It's unquestionable, and it does what we never could do. I don't want to move on our own. That's why it says right here, Exodus thirty-three fifteen. That's one of our five core values. What Moses cried: If your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us. And that was my prayer before we ever ask anybody. I was like, God, look, I want your presence in our church, or I'm not interested. I want people getting saved because you moved on them, not because I was moving, not because the music was right and the atmosphere was right. We cannot say we've had the best atmospheres. <laughs> we just haven't. We've been in gyms with no AC. Let me tell you, this is amazing. <laughs> yep. Yep. 
50 people in a room that seats 600, not great, not, not awesome, not a lot of fun. You guys remember that one time we had to shove 90 people in this tiny little hallway of a room for a couple Sundays? Some of you remember that? Yeah. And, and numerous other things. We've been on farms, <laughs> people's farms in our church, other people's farms, all kinds of stuff. And, and in a couple weeks, we're about to celebrate five years, exponential growth in the last year and a half, and God moving in our midst. It isn't location. It isn't attraction. It is the power of God in our midst. Come on, babe. Let's share, my wife wanted to share a testimony of some things God's done in our life in the last week or two. So my just, I kind of want to just start by just saying, you know, I feel like we have these moments in our lives that, that they're amazing and they're big and God does something huge in our heart, right? And it's so important. Our, our, in the Bible, it talks about writing those things down. You know, we've lost a little bit of that in today's culture. God does something awesome, and we're flying high, and five weeks later, we've forgotten about it because the car broke down, and we're like, where are you? You know, but we forgot that, you know, five weeks ago, we were in the hospital, and now we're walking, you know, and, and that's a little bit of who we are, but I think about, you know, some of, some of us in here have stories where you were brought up in a church that had a, a thriving, beautiful relationship with God, you know, and I wasn't. I was brought up in a really traditional church. And even the way that I came to Jesus, I look back on it and I think, that's such a miracle with the childhood that I had. And, and even the attitudes. I went to youth camp for all the wrong reasons. All the wrong reasons. And I thought they were nuts. They were the weird people. Um, they, were the, you know, they, were, they looked a little weird. And on the very last day, God rested in my heart. And the next year, when I was 14, I got filled with the Holy Spirit, and I did that whole weird, like, tongue-speaking thing. And I'm so grateful, and I know that God, far more than being given the gift of tongues, I wanted to share the love that I had for Jesus at 14 with everybody I met. You know, I, got, I remember being 16 and, and stopping at the gas station on the way to church, and this guy was like, what are you so happy about? And I'm like, let me tell you. And I'm sure I was weird. I'm positive. And I, I look when we were early married, and I remember when we had, like, no money. And do you remember the day I was crying, and I was like, I don't want to eat spaghetti again. And you were like, I feel like God's going to buy us dinner. And I was like, you're a whack job. You remember her? And I was like, you're crazy. And he's like, I know I sound crazy, and, but let's just trust. And I am not kidding you. Someone called me two hours later and said, I can't explain it, but God told us to invite you to our daughter's birthday celebration, our treat. And it was a good dinner. And I could, yeah, when I was, I had, a, it was good. It's my first time having a bocce. Yeah. It was awesome. But I remember being in Bible college, and I remember I was dealing with a horrible, a horrible pain, and God, God brought healing. And a couple years ago, I mean, I could go on. I, I just think, but you know what's, you know what's crazy? We pray, and sometimes God doesn't answer. And you know that part of our story too. You know that our son passed, and you better believe we, we prayed that God would raise him, and he didn't answer. But he brought a different miracle. He walked us through it, and he gave us a stronger-than-ever passion to see people come to know Jesus. And so sometimes we get the miracles we pray for, and sometimes we don't. A couple years ago, we were in Branson. 
And my husband said, we need to go in faith because I need a break. I'm exhausted. And I was like, I don't, I just don't see it in the checkbook, dear. And he said, you know, I don't normally say this, but I really feel like we're supposed to take this vacation and trust God. And I'm not going to share the details of that story. But the truth is that we saw the hand of God provide in an unbelievable way. And, and I, I just, I feel like I can't not share this one part. But you, got, you almost got to hear all of it leading up to not think I'm crazy. And, and some of you have heard it because you've asked us. But we had a perfect stranger give us $1,500 on that trip. And it covered everything that wasn't covered. <laughs> and God is that good. And so we went to Branson this time, and I thought, well, I don't really know if you can top that, Lord. I mean, that's pretty cool, you know? And we had what we needed to go on vacation. So there's no need for God to provide a miracle, right, you know? I would say I think what God did in our hearts this time, to me, is, is it's a beautiful thing. And, and Brian started praying, and God had put this on his heart. You know, but as a family, we want to see God move. We want to see the blind see. And we want to see the lame walk. And we want to see it in our church. And I don't mean, we want to see, I want to see the physically blind see. But I want to see the spiritually blind see. I want to see all the miracles that God does. I want to see people free from addiction. This is what we want. And I'm grateful because the truth is, I can tell you, I had not walked away from Jesus before vacation. But we can get tired. And, and we can be, we can, we can um, just start going along in our Christian walk. And, and just being good people, right? And, and just be about serving Jesus. And that's good. But I feel like God, God stoked that fire in my soul. To say, but, but, but don't stop wanting more. So let's keep wanting more. Let's keep believing for, mm-hmm. for cars to be provided for those that need them. And for groceries. Let's, let's jump on this. We are one of the most giving churches I've ever been a part of. I, I really think I can say that. Absolutely. If I, if I have one regret in life, it's that at times I have been afraid to pray for people because God might not move. I don't want to live like that. You know what? Sometimes we don't see God move in the way that he thinks we should. Should that stop us from praying? I don't think so. Let's live in such a way that when our day comes, we don't ever regret not taking a moment to give, to be generous, to share the gospel, or, or or to just stop and pray for somebody. Amen. Thanks, babe. Too often we make the mistake of wanting to see, wanting to hear the message of Jesus, but not the power of Jesus. Like, I want to be forgiven and saved, but that's it. Really? You don't want the fullness and the abundance of life in Christ that sees God move and provide? And let me tell you, I, you, just, you just need to know, I'm not the guy who's like, uh, you know, God wants to give me a 12,000 square foot house. In faith. <laughs> like, uh, like, no, that's not me, okay? That's not who I am. 
I don't believe in that stuff. I don't believe God's blessings are wrapped up in monetary things. God is far bigger. But Kenny, and that, that year, two years ago, first time in my life, I'm like, I am telling you I feel an unction that we're supposed to take this vacation in faith. And we, we got a very good deal on like a timeshare from a friend of our, a friend of a friend. And, and so we, we could afford that, but it was like we're not going to be able to do anything else. Except, but we'll drive to Branson, and then we'll see all the things that we cannot do, right? <laughs> I think we saved up for like one thing. And it was Silver Dollar City. We saved up for like, we'll spend the money on that, and everything else will just hang out by the pool. And, and it was the day where, uh, I'm just going to share a minute of it, and I'm going to move on. And, and that day, we were getting on the tram from the parking lot to go in. And somehow, someway, this guy starts talking to my wife um, on the tram. Older, a little bit older gentleman, and she, she just, she's trying to rally. Glory's like one and a half at this point, and, and we have five kids on this tram, and, and, and Shine is six, you know. So, and we're, we're getting on, and Ann said something about, my, we planted the church, Lockport, Illinois. We get off the tram, we go to Silver Dollar City, have a great day, blah, 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 life goes on. And that night, I get a message on Facebook Messenger, I do, from that guy saying, I really am supposed to meet you face to face. I found you because my, at the time, these types of glasses were new, and I had just gotten them. And my wife hated them, by the way. <laughs> um, but those glasses is somehow how he found me, Thrive Church Lockport, and he remembered my glasses, and he said, I, I was a church planter with the Assemblies of God in Missouri years ago, and God has been telling me year, for a long time to bless people financially. And I'm supposed to. Will you please meet me? I met him the next morning thinking, I really hope he doesn't kill me. <laughs> um, but I'm like a very public place. Like, and I meet the guy and he said, I was a church planter just like you. I brought my family here on vacation. I stayed in these tiny places. God has been, and I'm, he goes, I'm not in ministry now. God has called me out. I'm doing something else. He's blessed me a lot financially. I'm supposed to give this to you. Don't, I don't want thank yous. This is me being obedient to God. $1,500 cash. And I've tried reaching out to him. I've never seen or heard from him since. I mean, I've uh, literally, weeks ago, I messaged him again. Won't even reply. God knows, and God wants to display his power in our lives. And that was a moment we were meant to step on of faith. Did that happen this time on vacation in Branson? It did not. That wasn't what it's about. It's about seeing God move and believing and seeing his power working in our lives, living by the supernatural and not just the natural anymore. <laughs> Acts chapter 2 goes on when, when Peter gives... Basically, everybody's like, are these people drunk? They're hearing them speaking in tongues and, and weird stuff happening. And the people outside are like, oh, man, what is going on in there? And, and they start, and here's what Peter says. He quotes the book of Joel. And he says in verse 17 through 21, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. 
In those days I will pour out my spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike. Pause right there. Women can be a ministry too. Don't think they can't. That's weird. And they will prophesy. And I'll cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below. Blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn to blood before that great and glorious day the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. He is quoting the book of Joel. They had not seen. you got to realize in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit only dwelt on kings and prophets and nobody or priests, and nobody else got to taste that. We, get, we all get in on this thing. Here's the point. Power is a promise. How many people want to live in the promises of God? Well, one of those promises is the power of God on your life. That does not mean everything will go your way. I'm not saying that. That does not, Jesus promised, he also promised trouble. He said trouble will come. Also a promise of God. Not the one I want, right? We all, a lot of people are like, I want the power of God. I don't want that promise. They're both promises. You've got to deal with them both. Okay, we're going to have tough days. We're going to sin. We're going to fall. Bad stuff will come to us. But the power of God dwelling upon our lives and us living and moving in it is a promise And we have never been more primed as a church and in the world today in need of it than now. I want to see people healed. How many people are desperate? I went to a friend's funeral Friday morning from COVID. I'm so saddened for his death. Awful, horrible. I wish you would have been healed. And at the same time, I will continue to believe God for healing. And I'm going to trust God with that. But here's what I'll also say. He's healed, just not here. He's home. He is not in grief. (laughs) We are. He's not. Let's believe God to see him move. Let's believe God that... I have the promise of God that he's going to pour out his spirit. That didn't end at the close of the New Testament. We're still in the New Testament. And I don't mean in the Bible like people are going to write the Bible. No, no, no. The Bible's finished, okay? God's word is complete and whole there. But we are still a New Testament church meant to see him move, see his provision, see his power. We we get to. Get over your own pride that says, I don't want it. Why? You're really telling you the God who saves you, loves you, transformed you, delivered you. There's parts of you I don't want. (laughs) Why? Is any part of him not good? Is any move of God something we don't want? Man, I want it all. Change me, Lord. I'm going to tell you something that is not in my notes, but something God gave me years ago. Psalm 71, I believe it's 18. I always forget the verse reference, but it's my life verse. (laughs) It's what I felt like God gave me 15, 16 years ago. And I felt like God said this was for you. Psalm 71, 18, for me. It doesn't mean it's for you, but you can read it if you want. This is my life first. And it says this. 
God, until I am old and gray, do not forsake me until I have proclaimed your power to the next generation. I am not, I, I, I'm, I'm not Bill Hybels, which at this point is really good news, but, uh, I, sorry, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I am not, a, I am not a preacher who probably can engage you with amazing teaching for 60 minutes. Most of you are probably relieved by that. So if you're wondering, it won't be that long. Okay? Um, it, it, I am not, I, what I am is a guy who's seen God move in many places everywhere I've been. I saw God move on a youth group in, in Amory, Wisconsin. And I saw kids get saved by the droves, and God's presence was there. And I've told you the story about the atheist German exchange student Saskia, who's all goth and all in all black, and and who left our youth group. And I didn't even preach that night. All we did was worship. And she got in her van, weeping with her host mom. And she goes, "I don't believe in God, but I feel God in your church." With Master's Commission which was an internship program where we would travel and, and, and present the gospel and perform and, and, and had an arts team and stuff. And, and we, we would go to places where churches now to this day, pastors I'm friends with, where they saw, they saw, he <laughs> rented out this giant armory, hoping 100 people would come and two came. Two! One of those kids got saved that night out of two. 50% success rate is pretty good. But the next year, we came back to the same church, and they were at 20-some kids because that one kid reached all those other kids. We went to a youth group in a church where, where, where this youth pastor had 15 kids, and he was about to be fired because his youth group was shrinking, and we prayed, and we called on God. And, and among those kids... He called me the night, two days before. He's like, I got 60 kids coming. I don't even know how, but 60 kids are coming. He goes, I'm busting them in. I don't even know them. They're like friends of friends. I've never seen this, but they're coming. And they're all unsaved, and they're all unchurched. And they came. And that night, they all got saved. And they all stayed in his youth group. His youth group quadrupled in a night from God moving. That's what I've seen in ministry. That's what I believe God wants to do here. God wants to show off. God wants to get a hold of you and me. And not just, not just for here, but to go out from here. God wants to move and show off in ways like, we, we didn't do this. Like, what's your strategy? What's your plan? God, that's our strategy. Jesus, that's the plan. See him move. Yeah, we, we have some stuff organized, but I don't want to be in the church. As, as 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and 5 says, My message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so you wouldn't trust in human wisdom, but in the power of God. Paul, in that moment, now Paul is the most intellectual of all the apostles. He has the highest education, he, is, he speaks multiple languages. He knows literally the Old Testament by heart, can quote it to you. And he said, forget it. I want the power of God. 
Because the power of God is greater than our, our intellect can only go so far. But God's power is immeasurable. Does God use our intellect and reasoning? Yes, 100%. If he's called you to that and you're good at it, awesome. Reichert is smarter than I am. I'll admit it. <laughs> right? Magna cum laude, is that right? Or summa cum laude? Summa cum laude. Graduated summa cum laude was them did for Moody. I can't even spell summa cum laude, okay? And that's fine. <laughs> right? And God uses that. But even, even for... God move. Let God move. Begin believing God for some things. Power is a promise, church. Let's believe God to fill every space we're in, not because we are awesome, but because God is moving. If we want to see a city changed, if we want to see if we want to see Lockport touch, lives touch, the old programs of how to be cool church and get a lot of people to come, I'm going to tell you this in case you don't know, that is dead. It is over. And if you're looking for a church that has all the programs and all the cool stuff you want, I'm telling you, those churches are dying even if they don't know it because it won't work in this day and time anymore. The world has changed and the church needs to catch up. And we are a church now that needs to be a little more like the underground church in China and a little more less like the giant, enormous church that has all the cool lights and sound. I know, I know, Acts talks a lot about fog lights and, and big sound systems, and I like them too. That's a joke. It doesn't. <laughs> okay? It does talk about smoke, though. It just did at the beginning of Acts chapter 2, and it was the Holy Spirit's not a good machine. <laughs> I want to see God on display in our midst, and if we want to see that, I believe, I truly believe, and I am saying this, I say this humbly, okay? I say this with brokenness in a place, and if you're like, I'm not with you, I'm not tracking with you, Pastor Brian, this is a little weird for me, hey, wrestle with the Holy Spirit because I'm not him. Okay, bring it to him. Okay, wrestle with him. But I believe we are now in an age. I've never been a revival guy. I grew up in churches where they prayed for revival and it didn't happen. So I was like, well, it's either God or you, and I think it's you. So please stop praying for it. Okay, and, but here's the deal. Whether God moves or he doesn't, we're going we're gonna to stay with him. But I believe we are in a time where if God's power isn't on display in a church, God may be absent in the church. And we, we are now in a time where we need to be in and as a church seeking the Holy Spirit's move. We need to be, um, of, if you want to call it revival, then call it that. I don't care what you call it. I call it the Holy Spirit moving in our midst. And we need it more than ever. Okay. So with that in mind, I want you to, I want you to hear from what God did in Jimena's life in the, just in this past week. Can you just come up and play? You can come up here. It ain't my platform. Hi. And Tom. So, um. Up here. Aquí? Okay, perfect. Aquí, yeah. Um, so, um, I know that so many of you um, know, or for the ones who don't know, I have, I had Lyme disease for almost 13 years, and... For those who don't know much about this evil disease, it has 
it stole so much out of me. Um, what Lyme disease does to the body is a, basically a chronic infection that you have all over your body. That means that my immune system was fighting a disease for 24 hours a day. I always felt extremely tired. I had nausea, I have headaches, I have body pains. Uh, I had a lot of inflammation in my brain. I had a lot of things that, like, if you will see me, you will not think much. Like, but I just learned to deal with the pain for every, every day of my life. I just dealt with pain. And probably some of you know, but my cousin, my, Michael and I, we had a baby seven years ago, and she died from a birth defect. Lyme disease also causes birth defects. Uh, it causes um, struggles with infertility. It just was a giant in my life. And, um, you know, in a way, because you call it chronic life disease, if you call, if you call something chronic, it just, you kind of are sentencing yourself to live with that forever. And the Lord kind of rebuked me this past week because he told, he told me nothing is chronic in the kingdom of God. And um, so my sweet friend, LaDonna, probably two, three years ago, she kept running and coming to me and telling me, I know he wants to heal you. I know he wants to heal you. And I will roll my eyes like Sarah did when she, she was told that she will have a son. You know, I was like, yeah, whatever. This is chronic. I might just need to learn to deal with this awful thing. But, um, but this past week, um, a group of us, um, Jean, Howie, Michelle, and I, we were led to go to a revival meeting in Milwaukee, and the power of God was moving. And the first day that I got there, you can come in, Elizabeth. So this past week, we went to the revival week, and the first day, like, um, we were, it was time to, um, it was during worshiping time, and I suddenly saw a vision, and what I saw, it was Jesus was standing in front of me, and he had a, a gift in his hands, and I knew in my heart that the gift was healing, and I, um, it had a green bow on top, and when I, when he opened the the box, it was a little bottle, and I knew that it was healing. And the next scene that I saw in my vision, it was I saw myself rejecting the gift. And I thought, and I thought to myself, what's wrong with you? Why will you not take it from him? And then I didn't think much of it, but the next day we came back to the revival. And then um, the pastor that was there, he says that the Lord has uh, wanted to to deal with the spirit of rejection in his children and I'm sitting there not thinking anything because I don't I don't have issues with rejection like you know I'm like that's not for me but I just sat down and I listened and he started explaining how rejection creates walls around our hearts and that doesn't let us experience the love of God or doesn't let us experience the love of others and how that creates really walls and and I was just thinking and just meditating and suddenly I just was moved by the Holy Spirit and I started weeping because revelation came over me and um, was what the Lord told me, you don't think that you deserve my healing because you think that you have to earn it in the same way that you have to earn your, your parents' love. You think that my love for you is not unconditional and that you have to be good follow your diet, take your medication, and only if you're good enough, then I will heal you. But my love for you is unconditional, and I want you to receive the healing. And also, more than anything, I want you to receive my unconditional love. 
And then I just broke down and, and we went through the prayers of um, against this rejection in my heart and it was beautiful. And then the next morning, I just woke up and I saw another vision and that, this time I was holding in my, in my hands, I had the gift and I knew I was healed. And there was many other layers on layers of everything that we experienced in that revival. But on Monday, I flew to um, Maryland because that's where I see my Lyme specialist. And I got there covered in fear, but at the same time, full of faith, believing that I did receive a miracle. And um, they ran a test and I was nervous and anxious. And, and suddenly, like, my doctor was really chatty, but I heard the assistant telling him, like, Lyme is not an issue to her. It has all clear. So, the, yes, yes, yes. Yes, so glory to him. Yes. So, so, <laughs> so, Jimena. How many years did you test positive for Lyme's? Um, I had that evil disease with me 13 years. But and this uh, we, is the first time ever. Yeah, we found out. Yes, yeah, I didn't even know that I had Lyme disease, but I knew exactly when I got it. But yeah, so for seven, the last seven years, I have been fighting this awful thing. But the beautiful thing it was also that on LaDonna's baby shower, her mother-in-law just came to me and she says, like, I know people who have been healed from Lyme disease. And again, I'm rolling my eyes because this is chronic. And she says, like, can I pray for you? I'm like, absolutely. And then she's done praying for my healing. And then she looked at my eyes and she says, like, you have to receive this as a gift. Like a little kid, little kids, when they open a gift and they are excited, it's not because you deserve it. It's out of the grace of God that he wants to give you this. And all this was building up until today, guys. And, and as pastor said, you know, this past week, it was such a hard week for the whole world. And we need good news. We really need good news. And I know darkness is increasing, but also his glory is increasing. So... Just the last thing, you know, I have a group of maybe sometimes it's like five, sometimes it's only two, sometimes it's ten ladies praying every morning. We have been praying September 1st is going to be a year from the time we started our prayer group. And in the last probably three three weeks or like a, maybe a month, like every morning, Angela, Cassidy, they will say, Father, we are believing that you will hear Jimena completely. And I think that this is not, a, not only a healing gift for me, but I think that is for all, all of us. We have all been faithful in prayer and he moved. And I just pray that this will encourage you greatly and just all the glory goes to him. Yeah, come on. Let's give God praise. When you're sick in your home, start believing and praying and calling on God. Don't give up. When you need provision, call on God. And I loved what you said there, Jimena, the word the Lord gave you, that God didn't do it out of 
you meet me and that's all that's all that that's not in the bible god helps those who help themselves lie not in the bible <laughs> we can't heal us he does and he doesn't do it because we earned it because he's good and let's be the church and the people that says yes do it lord do it and that doesn't mean he's gonna answer everything we ask man let's start believing that day at the end of Acts chapter 2 many got saved and I would say I'm wrapping up power is, power is the gospel in performance that's the gospel in action is the power of God and it's also that you would know somebody here today just heard him and his testimony and you're not walking with Jesus or you're not walk, you are walking with Jesus but not in his power you were meant to hear that so that you would, A, say yes to Jesus. That's why God shows off. So that the greatest miracle is he can bring you from spiritual death to life. Or number two, move into his power in your life and you never have. Now this quote from A.B. Simpson, who is a phenomenal man of God. He says this. He said, uh, if you have it, the quote from A.B. Simpson, towards the bottom, guys. The chief danger of the church today is that it is trying to get on the same side of the world instead of turning the world upside down. There are men and women in this room who've never truly said, Jesus, come into my heart and change my life. I have never said yes to you to follow you with my whole heart. I was confirmed, I went to church, I, I kind of believe. But no, I want to follow you. And I will make you Lord. And if that's you today, you want to make him Lord. On your own, this is all I'm going to ask you to do. Put your hand up right now. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Yes, come in, Jesus. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. Thank you. Secondly, there are believers in this room who've never experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you, you you've experienced this power. You just don't believe in tongues. Here's what, here's what it is. It's an unction that rises up in you, and then you speak it out in faith as evidence. God, God's not going to take your mouth like a puppet and move it. <laughs> you don't have to do it for the world to see and scream it out just privately to you. And you want the power of God in your life. You want prophecy and dreams. You want to move by the Spirit. You want to see people healed. You want the power of God in your life and not just the message. And if you, that's you, would you do me a favor? Raise your hand in this room. Raise your hand. Thank you. Thank you. All over this room. All over this room. Anybody else? God, I want your power. I pray right now that you begin to fill them, God. They begin to encounter your presence and your spirit in their times with you, God, in their week, in their times, in their times when they're trying not to pay attention to you. Show off in our midst, oh God. Let the fire fall. We're ready. And we want it. Purify us. Make us clean. Move in our midst, oh God. In Jesus' name.
Thank you so much for spending some time with us. We hope this message spoke to you and helped you grow in your knowledge of and love for God. Visit us online anytime at EncounterThrive.com and reach out with questions, prayer requests, or comments. We hope to see you for our in-person services in Lockport, Illinois, Sundays at 